morning, FCS football fans. Welcome to the FCS Opening Drive podcast presented by Football Game Plan and the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I am David Hassagan. With me, as always, the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. How's everything going for you? Everything is just fine. Another hot and steamy day here in the Northeast, looking in the 90s today when we were recording this, so it's... Uh, been a little bit brutal up here, but hopefully there's some uh, some cooler weather on the way. Folks, this is our NEC preview. If you want to listen back, we've done everything from the Big Sky all the way to the Missouri, to the MEAC and the Missouri Valley. You can listen to all of those podcasts, all of our previews on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can look that up on fo- by going through Football Game Plan. Go to footballgameplan.com for all of the videos. Emery is pumping out so much material. Emery, give yourself a little plug. What have, what have you been putting on the website for the FCS? Bro, Everything. Everything. <laughs> FCS uh, recruiting roundup using our football game plan 400, which you can find at footballgameplan400.com. Some of the top recruits in the FCS, incoming recruits that are going to these respective teams in the conferences. We also have some good FCS previews coming out, and we're going to have our FCS top 25, preseason top 25, uh, All-America team, all that good stuff coming out, in addition to all the NFL stuff that we got you on. Get, you get your vote? Yet for the uh, FCS, I did not. I did not. Did you? No. I no. checked the I mail. Mean, I didn't. I didn't have it. I mean, I mean, why would I get one? But Craig, Craig. <laughs> Again, folks, follow Craig Haley on Twitter and uh, FCS Stats. They are a great resource for everything FCS football. And you can follow us on Twitter as well at Fball Game Plan with the blue check mark. He's special. <laughs> and at David underscore Hassagan for myself for some incredibly you got hot a picture yet? Chipotle takes. I'm yes, I ha- do have one. That's up and ready to go. So <laughs> it hasn't been uploaded yet. I've taken the picture. I haven't uploaded it so yet. So you don't so have stop. a picture. I've got the picture. I just don't have it uploaded yet. So stop, stop banging me into a corner. <laughs> anyway, folks, let's get into it right now. Again, this is the NEC preview uh, for 2019. So let's take a look back before we move forward, of course, uh, from three takes from 2018. Interesting year in the NEC last season. It was a little bit stronger, a little bit more competitive, I think, than people thought. Um Duquesne and Sacred Heart with the two teams fighting it out. I think a lot of people thought maybe Central Connecticut State, maybe this is the year Bryant breaks through. But it was Duquesne and Sacred Heart who uh, fought it out for the top, and it was the Dukes coming out with the win. Yeah, and it's one of those conferences that I don't think gets enough credit for how good they are top to bottom competitive. Mm -hmm. We've seen this league go all the way down to the last week of the season before deciding whether or not, you know, who's going to be the conference winner or who's going to actually get an at-large bid. We've seen that happen before. We saw it happen last year with Sacred Heart. We saw it last two or three seasons. We've yeah. seen it coming down to the last two weeks of the season. Which we always say that's why you have to either create bowl games or give these guys their just due for putting them putting an additional team in the playoffs, which is yeah. one of the things I'm going to watch for uh, this season that we'll talk about later in this podcast. Sacred Heart, a very good year last year. Did you really see them coming up that strong and finishing 5-1 and one in conference play, or was it a year away for you still? I, I thought it was a year away. But you love the fact that their foundation is built along their offensive line and defensive line. So when you have that as your core philosophy, you're going to always be in contention to have success. You're going to be able to run the ball, which they do well. You're going to be able to play great defense, which they also do well. And it's not surprising. It shouldn't be surprising that they're in a lot of games and have won a lot of games. Disappointing year, though, again, for Bryant. We've we've talked about in the last couple seasons as this is the team that's on the brink. They're ready to break through. They're ready to break through. And it just hasn't happened. It, you know, they finished six and five. You know, not bad for the season, but only two and four conference play results in a new head coach for Bryant. 
why did they come up so short again in this in this past season? I thought their defense wasn't where it needed to be. Yeah. Offensively, they were exciting, which is why uh, former head coach James Perry was one of those well sought after uh, coaching candidates. He, I mean, you can't blame him for taking no. the opportunity at his alma mater no. and where he starred and, and played quarterback there. But their offense was outstanding. Defensively, they couldn't stop anybody, despite having you know really good players last year. Pro player in Thomas Costigan, who's uh, floating around NFL camps right now. Yeah. And I think that's a big reason why. So I, I do believe the cupboard isn't bare there. So if they can get better defensively, they should be all right. Absolutely. And I think another thing that we looked at last year, pretty good improvement from St. Francis and Wagner, uh, especially Wagner. I think we were both pretty impressed with what they did defensively last season. Where do you, you think they took the right steps in, in order to get their offense up to speed? I think Wagner is going to be a, a team to keep an eye on this year because of what they've added in recruiting yeah. as far as like grad transfers are concerned offensively and also what they already have in, in tow defensively. I don't think you really – in this it's a win-loss business, Yeah, but you really can't judge – a head coach, a college head coach, by wins and losses, to be yeah. completely honest, because there's a ton of factors in play. And, and Coach Hotiling is, I think, one of the best recruiters, one of the best developers, yeah. and one of the best coaches in, in the FCS. And, and it's a shame that people will ultimately look at wins and losses, but that's not the case. That team is very good. They're, they're well-stocked with talent. It's just – it's tough. Yeah. You know, and you see this across the board within the NEC – some good coaching going on, some good developing going on, which is why these teams tend to be very tough outs, surprisingly to others, outside of conference. Northeast football, we've, we've said it over and over, is very underrated, and especially on the defensive side of the ball. Speaking of which, let's talk about the best returning players. I'm going to start with a pair of linebackers from Wagner and why I think they will be one of the favorites this year, and that's San Tony Graham and Cameron Gill. Graham, 99 tackles last year, was all over the field. But Cameron Gill, I mean, if you're talk, if you're an NFL scout and you see the numbers, I mean, obviously you want to look at the film, but the numbers on paper, 61 tackles, okay, it doesn't jump out of you completely as a linebacker, but when you have 24 tackles for loss and 13 and a half sacks, that gets my attention. Cameron Gill's going to have a lot of eyes on him. Yeah, that's setting up shop in the opposing backfield, man, and, and you talk about just being where you're supposed to be and dominating, that's what he did last year. I also look at guard uh, Javon Brown from Central Connecticut State, another dominant player who's on the senior bowl watch list, mm. 6'3", 330, so he's a, a big burly guard that can move. And you talk about an offense that, yeah, they'll be replacing the quarterback and and uh, some key players on defense, but they have a tremendous offensive line, in my opinion, led by Brown, who should be one of the best players in the conference. I think I'm, I'm going to throw another name out here that's going way under the radar because he's playing for Robert Morris. I mean, sorry, like Robert Morris, you're getting a shout out here. Okay, we're, we're we didn't forget about you. There's, you know, they've been kind of at the bottom of a long time. But the tight end Matt Gonzalez, really good year last year. Only had 40 receptions, but he had 12 touchdowns. As a tight end, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for production. He provided them. He might be a good building block for them this season. And they played a, a lot of young players last year, so they should be all right. Um, Christian Alexander, quarterback from Wagner, going back out to Staten Island. Uh, Transfer from Florida International, was the MVP of the bowl game last year. Right, yeah. That's a huge get for Coach Hotiling because now you have stability and talent at the position along with what they have on defense. If the quarterback can, can do what he can do and, and keep the offense on schedule, on pace, not turn the ball over, 
and put these guys in positive situations, that's going to be huge. So I'm excited to see what he can do to build off last year's bowl game for the Panthers this year for the Seahawks. Again, folks, this is the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, the NEC Preview, uh, brought to you by Football football Game Plan. Let's talk about uh, some of the new faces in the NEC, and we have to start with two brand-new teams uh, coming into the FCS this year. And let us start with what is really an interesting story, and that is LIU. Now, LIU has had a football team, but only on their post campus, LIU Post. Um, For those old heads out there, it used to be CW Post. used to be CW Post. They are now combining their campuses, both LIU Post and LIU Brooklyn, to form this brand-new team. They are going to be known as the LIU Sharks. Um, really kind of a weird story of how this program is coming together, but LIU Post has been a really good team in the Northeast 10. Yeah, and that conference is one of the best conferences in Division Two. And you talk about a team that has put out some pro players and and had guys in training camp, and the Giants have one now. And Jake Carlock, who's a outside linebacker, strong safety hybrid, but that's good football being played at LIU. And it's going to be exciting to see them now take part in this in this program and in this this league you talk about brian collins the head coach been there 21 seasons yeah uh, over 106 or he has 160 wins um you know in his career and i think long island is going to be one of those teams that's formidable right away yeah because you talk about a lot of the players that they had on that team last year they were a playoff team last year yes they lose a lot offensively but that's going to be a fun team to watch and if you're uh if you are wagner if you're a Stony Brook, if you're Fordham, if you are Columbia, you like, man. You're getting a little nervous now. Another D1 team in the area, you know. Just what we need. Thanks so much. Yeah, exactly. It. So I think they're going to be all right. And Merrimack is a, is a good football team because yeah. uh, they've had a couple of guys on pro rosters this summer too, a lot of defensive linemen. So Merrimack has and, – and they have a guy next year that's going to be a pro prospect uh, well, this upcoming season – is going to be a pro prospect as well. So these are two really good teams yeah. that should help strengthen the national conversation and narrative around the NEC. I'm excited to see what these two teams can do right away. Merrimack's going to be interesting because the last couple of years they've been a little bit down from what they normally are. They're usually a pretty good power in the NE10. Um, Coach Dan Curran going into his seventh season. Um, former New Orleans voodoo. I knew fullback. you were going to bring that up. And former member of the New Orleans Saints. He was there in Because he was balling out with the voodoo, and the Saints was like, you know what, we could probably use Curran and he signed them. So, very but familiar with Curran. Head coach at Merrimack since 2013. He was actually the offensive coordinator from 2010 to 2012. So, he knows this program. He's originally from Chelmsford, Mass. So, he's right down the road from uh, from North Andover. Went to UNH. So, he's got a good playing career up in the Northeast. He's got this team set up pretty well. Merrimack is another team that I don't know if they're going to have the same impact LIU with, will right away. But they've got some nice pieces sitting on the shelf that they could become a factor in the Northeast 10. Let's talk about some of the uh, coaches that they're going to be facing. Got two new coaches this year. Uh, we're going to start with Bryant. Obviously, we talked about their situation there. Former coach goes over to their, his alma mater at Brown. Now we got Chris Merritt taking the reins at Bryant. Is he the guy that's finally going to push them over the hump, do you think? Well, he's going to be one to watch. Uh, that's one of my five things to watch. Uh, I'll put that down as Chris Merritt because he's a high school coach taking over a college program. Yeah. But he has been a very successful high school coach in that area. Right. Which 
you know, yields itself to someone having success right away. It's great for recruiting. Absolutely. And Coach Perry didn't leave that roster bare with, without talent, even in his one season. So there's a lot of optimism, I believe, at Bryant with, new, uh, with head coach Chris Merrick. And let's talk about the other new head coach, and that's at Central Connecticut State, who had a decent year last year, finished 6-5, and 4-2 and two in the conference. Uh, Pete Rosamondo moves on. He's now the offensive line coach at Rutgers. Um, they get Ryan McCarthy, who is still the interim head coach. They've kept the interim label on him. We talked about this a couple years ago mm-hmm. with Morgan State. Right. It was the same deal. You had the full-year interim head coach earn it, which, when you think about it, it's not a terrible idea. But at the same time, you're like, wow, you don't trust him, do you? And you can't build a program <laughs> like that. We saw it last year with, at uh, North Carolina Central, too. So um, it, it's going to be really interesting because they, they've got a, a tough schedule. they got five away games in their first six wow. this year. So they're at Fordham, then they have home with Merrimack, at Valpo, at Eastern Michigan, at Sacred Heart, at Columbia. So interim head coach, five of your first six games are on the road. Good luck. Well, at least he's been with the program, so that, that kind of helps to – lessen the blow a little bit but you're right that interim tag hanging over your head you can you really develop you know a philosophy or a long-term plan when you're on the interim base so you're going to take a ton of chances as a coach which w- could reflect negatively on you when it's not really your fault yeah you know you're kind of yeah. forced to take chances because you got to show up and show out every game because you're uh, you know auditioning for the job here so it's just tough for for uh for for, for anyone in that situation well, so we'll see how the two new coaches go this year. Let's talk about something, some of the things to watch in 2019. And I think we got to start with the two new teams coming in. Do you see either of these two teams being flying the ointment or competing right away for some upsets in this conference, or do you think it's going to take a year or so? Maybe Long Island yeah. um, because they were really good last year and there's a lot of le- left on the, on the table, especially defensively, so – I think they could be a potential flying ointment. I, I do believe Merrimack is probably a year or two away. Right. They have to really get caught up uh, with, with, you know, the additional scholarships and, and being able to hang with Division One teams. But I think LIU has a chance to, to really hit the ground running and be a factor. I think that's something certainly to watch. I think another thing to watch this year is how does Wagner continue the momentum? Because we talked about it. The last couple of years we've said, watch Wagner. Keep an eye on Wagner. They've got a lot of pieces. They've got, they're moving the right direction. Last year, it finally started to show some dividends. They were 4-7 and seven on the year, not great. 3-3 three and three in conference play, which is a whole lot better than what they've done in the past five years most of the time. Wagner's defense could be the key for them really being a contender in this league. That's what I have down to watch as well. Their defense is something that's going to be special. I would also keep an eye on a QB play at Central Connecticut State. Jake Dolagala is right now balling out of control at the Cincinnati Bengals training camp and <laughs> you know no one seen that coming outside a football game plan but just saying just saying <laughs> so whoever's going to play quarterback there I know they have a lot of guys vying for that starting job even some graduate transfers so we'll see but that's something to watch I would also keep an eye on it the out of conference play for yeah. uh this conference because if they can s- snag some big wins out of conference that's huge for them yeah I like it and also A.J. Hines, running back at Duquesne, Peyton Award watch, yeah, Senior Bowl watch list. You know, this is a guy that definitely has a chance to be special this year and also find himself playing on Sundays with his play. And he will stand out because Ryan Fulce, uh, he moved on last year, the Wagner running back who had 1,700 yards. 
um, last season. I think it's going to be interesting to watch who the new quarterbacks coming in will will uh, and how they'll fare. Because you talked about Dolgala, he's moved on to the NFL. Price Wilson from Bryant, he's gone. And Bear Fenimore from St. Francis. Those are three top quarterbacks in the league. They've all graduated. I want to see who steps up at those three schools. Because St. Francis had a decent year last year as well. Now the question is, can they actually reload? I think they're going to have a, a little bit more trouble reloading than Wagner might. Um, and I think the other one, as you said, can the NEC get that second bid? We've seen in the past. I mean, that Central Connecticut State team from two years ago when they faced UNH. If they have their starting quarterback and he wasn't suspended for that first-round playoff game, they probably beat the Wildcats. Yeah. They played really well in that ball game. These teams are not easy outs, uh, despite you know where the region they come from and the conference name next to the next to the team. Um, I think it will take someone getting three wins out of conference, though, to get that second bid. And, and speaking of out of conference, I, I look at some of the big games on the schedule yeah. for for the NEC. Starting off, you know, in in August, August thirty first, St. Francis at Lehigh, massive game. Both teams are are you know trying to find their way, coming off mediocre seasons. Lehigh had a bad season. St. Francis was four and seven, um, so that's a big game to see. Hey, where we are right now as a program, um, and it could be a good notch for either team getting an out of conference win against yeah. what could potentially be a team that they should be on the rise. One game I want to keep an eye on, too, is in week three. Duquesne goes to Youngstown State. Talk about, you know, those out-of-conference games that are going to count more. Missouri Valley on the road. Youngstown State, they've had a couple rough years in a row. They're looking to rebound. Duquesne had a nine-win season last year. That's going to be a big test, I think, for both teams to see where they're at in terms of the national picture, uh, but especially for Youngstown. But Duquesne, I think that's a winnable ball game for them. Should be. I mean, considering what we saw last year from Youngstown State, another road game, to, you know, to talk about. Not really a road game. I guess it's a road game. Wagner at Stony Brook. Yeah. Uh, you know, not that far, depending on what time you leave because of the traffic. <laughs> <laughs> Five miles, folks. It could either take 10 minutes ten or days. an hour. So. <laughs> Wagner, uh, and st- that's a huge game because, one, Stony Brook should be good this year, and we know both defenses are going to be good. And it's a CAA opponent. Yeah. So that's a big out-of-conference game. If they can get a win there, that's huge for making their case for that large bid if it comes down to them finishing second in the NEC. Another one to watch, and this is just an interesting one based on the storyline, James Perry returns week four. Brown comes to play Bryant, former coach taking on his former team, now with his alma mater. I think that's going to be an interesting one. Also in week five, though, LIU at Wagner. Talk about a recruiting battle. Brand new team, moves up to FCS level, taking on an established team from Staten Island. You want to get recruits? You win that ball game if you're LIU. I would also look at Central Connecticut State and Sacred Heart on October the 5th. Yes. It's always a big game. Um, you like trench warfare. You like lineup, point of attack play. That's a game to watch. Sacred Heart's got a rough stretch because they've got that in week six. The next week they're at Penn, who... You know what Penn can do offensively when they get into a groove? Sacred Heart's got a really nasty schedule because they've got Central Connecticut at home, at Penn, and then they're home with Duquesne. That's a rough, rough three-game stretch for Sacred Heart in that one. I also want to take a look at the last week of the season, too. The two Northeast 10 teams facing each other, Merrimack at LIU. I'm hoping I can be at that game because uh, that could be really interesting. Long memories, very yeah. long memories for those two. Um, and another one, Merrimack at URI. 
in Week 10. That's an interesting out-of-conference ballgame. I know you love your, your Rhode Island Rams. Shout out to the Rams. <laughs> I know you like your Rams. Um, but this is going to be a really tight conference. It, it's kind of hard to find a hot take because everything is kind of known in this conference. You know, it, it's kind of a small world kind of thing. Everybody kind of knows everybody. I have a hot take. But, I, I mean, I want to see one hot take of yours that's actually hotter than mine. So if you could, <laughs> if you could provide some sort of uh, Cajun spice to your hot take, it would be great. Robert Morris gets six wins. What's in that spice? <laughs> I mean, no disrespect, Robert Morris, but Robert Morris? <laughs> here's, here's what you look at when you look at teams on the rise. Who played a, a lot of youth last year? Yeah. Robert Morris. Now you have a lot of experience in conjunction with a second-year coach over there. True, true. Tight end play, which is huge. So but it's Robert Morris. <laughs> like, the, the – Robert Morris now is going through a stretch where Columbia was about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. They just haven't been able to get anything going, and yet you think they're going to get six wins. I think they're going to get six wins. I think they can get wow. – that's, that's my hot take. Who, who do they beat in conference? Everybody. Of course I'm not going to tell you who they beat who in conference. Who do they beat in conference? Come on now. How, how many how many in-conference wins did they get? I didn't go that far. I just said they're going to have six wins. So you look at the schedule, and you find six wins, and you say six wins. Well, I'm well, I'm going to say how many – I'm not gonna. Tell, I'm not gonna ask for which teams. How many in conference wins do they get? Uh, let's say two, three, two. Okay, all right, fine, fair enough. I'm gonna go with a little bit. It's not gonna be a, a flaming hot take like I've had with a couple of the other conferences. Mm-hmm. You can listen to those on iTunes and SoundCloud if you want to. Wagner wins the NEC outright. Okay, outright because last year there was Duquesne and Sacred Heart were both five and one. Duquesne won obviously because they won head to head. Wagner wins, I think, this year outright with a 5 on one record. I think this conference is a lot more balanced. I don't think there's going to be – I think a lot of teams going to be around the 500 mark in conference play. Wagner's defense wins these games for them. I really think so. So don't prove me wrong, Seahawks. I'm just, I'm just saying. Like, Staten Island, Staten Island people are a little weird. So, like, hopefully they don't come after me if, I, if I've jinxed them or something like that. I don't know. Um Folks, that's going to do it for the NEC preview here. Again, a lot to talk about with the NEC. Northeast football is still very strong. Do not underestimate the Northeast. Two new teams, two new coaches, a whole lot of new faces in starting roles in this conference this year. Emory, do you have anything else that uh, you've got coming off the blocks here that you want to uh, you want to plug on this on this podcast? Just rewind and listen to the beginning because that's where you know. Just make sure you follow on Twitter at Ball Game Plan. Uh, YouTube.com slash football game plan and also subscribe to football game plan podcast on iTunes. Gotta subscribe to the podcast, folks. And again, the videos are coming out soon. If this was, you know, obviously these podcasts, oh, they're so short now. This is what, you know, they were an hour long last year. You have to watch the videos. Also, <laughs> every Thursday and Friday, if you're in the New York City area, New Jersey, uh, Connecticut, which most of these listeners for this podcast, for this will podcast be. will be. And if you have Optimum Cable, go to Game Plus Network every Thursday and Friday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time for the football game plan show on your television sets and check that out as well. We're on TV. Well, I think it's channel 238. It's 230, channel 238 on Optimum. If you have RCN, it's channel 380. But I'm not sure about that, but I do know Optimum, Optimum it's uh, 238. But search Game Plus Network football game plan show. There you go. So we're on television. You can watch us there. You can see all of our 
our uh, hot takes for the NFL because we've got plenty of those with what the Giants are going through right now. It's getting really rough. If anybody can run about a four four forty. Go, just show up at Giants camp. I think they might be looking for some wide receivers. That's all I'm saying. Uh, folks, that'll do it again for the NEC preview. Again, if you want to listen back on any of the previous uh, podcasts that we've done, we've done everything from the Big Sky all the way through now, obviously, to the NEC. You can listen back on those on SoundCloud and iTunes. We are going in order, so let's talk about what's coming up next. We've got the OVC will be the next one up. Will Jacksonville State keep hold of their crown, or will it be SEMO working their way to the top of that conference? Then there will be the Patriot League. Will anybody do what Colgate did last year ever again? And then finally, we will get into the Pioneer League. Will San Diego lose their crown to, of all people, Stetson? Who knew? Uh, We'll be getting into all of that. And again, we will go through all the conferences over the next couple of weeks. So keep an ear out for now. David Hasek for Emory Hunt. Thanks so much for listening in.